from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I've done quite a few of these interviews. I can speak to statistics all day. We know the statistics. We know the numbers. But for me, not only do I know it from a personal perspective, but I speak to these families. I know their stories. If we just think about these as individual accidents and not as an actual public health crisis, then we're not going to be able to invest the resources we need into making it better. They become a byline, and then the story is over. I'm Sarah Fenske. As we previously reported on this show, the number of pedestrians killed by drivers in St. Louis doubled in 2020 from the year before. That startling increase got our attention, and it's shown no signs of abating. Pedestrian deaths have spiked in recent months. Streets Blog USA reported yesterday that 10 pedestrians have lost their lives on city streets in just 11 weeks. They reported the city's annual pedestrian death rate now stands at roughly three and a half times the national annual average, and that's with two months left in 2021. It's a depressing set of facts, but our guests today are trying to do something about them. Zondi Barrett works for the Vacancy Collaborative and the Green City Coalition. She recently received her master's degree in social work from Washington University, where she worked on this issue. Zondi, welcome. Hi, thank you. And we're also joined today by Tiffany Stanfield. She's a founder of Fighting Hard, that's hit and run driving, and a member of St. Louis's Community Mobility Committee. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Tiffany, this issue is personal for you. About five and a half years ago, you lost your sister to a St. Louis hit and run driver. And I want to say first just how sorry I am for your loss. Thank you. Can you tell us just a little bit about what happened to your sister on that awful day? Hmm. Very difficult to speak through that even five years later. Um, my sister uh, walking uh, and crossed at a, at a crosswalk, and based on witnesses' testimony, she chirped her car to step off the curb, and a vehicle traveling 80 miles per hour um, near North Grand and, um, I can't remember the cross street, but um, that killed her uh, instantly. Um, in that moment, it was very difficult. Uh, it was my mom's birthday, mm. April 12, 2016, and it was the day that changed my life. And this driver that hit your sister, this person just kept going. They did. They kept going. A year later, the driver was apprehended but pleaded insanity. So we never went to trial. Wow. And so did this driver end up getting much of a sentence? No. So because of the plea of insanity, uh, the the case continued to uh uh, there was quite a few continuances uh, mm-hmm. based on a mental evaluation. And after a few continuous, we learned later, uh, approximately a year and a half later, that that person passed away. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there never really was resolution to never this was closure. case. Not at all. That is so hard to deal with. And again, I'm, I'm so sorry. And so just last week, the St. Louis police announced they're actually doing some traffic enforcement. This was news to a lot of people. They have a new initiative for this. In announcing that, they noted that of the more than 250 fatal crashes in the city since 2018, 65 of those have involved pedestrians. Tiffany, I understand you're familiar with 
those numbers, you find them pretty discouraging at this point. How so? Absolutely. Um, this has been a, obviously a personal push um, and learning of more and more uh, pedestrians being killed by hit and run driving. I mean, I'm ex- it's informative to hear that they're focused on focusing on enforcement, but it's personal when I'm speaking to the various victims that are impacted because I know the stories beyond um, the actual tragedy. And I guess my when I read it today, I had to ask myself, why now? Mm-hmm. Why not before? And um, I've done quite a few of these interviews. I can speak to statistics all day. We know the statistics. We know the numbers. But for me, not only do I know it from a personal perspective, but I speak to these families. I know their stories. I know their stories beyond the story. And those are that is what's near and dear to me, is the human stories behind the number. And I, I feel that the enforcement uh, push, um, my question is, my, my focus is, is it, will it be, will it continue? Mm-hmm. Will it just kind of be in the moment because we're highlighting these hit and run fatalities? And more importantly, the, the hit and run um, severe injuries because there are still in, individuals that are living with this tragedy. Or is it something that is going to happen today? and then kind of fade away later. Boy, I think those are just some great points there, and those are some really good questions for the city. Uh, Zandi, I understand you have also done some work on this issue. This was part of a practicum towards your degree. You got involved with doing something for the city's Community Mobility Committee, which tries to tackle these kind of issues. What did you do for them specifically? Yeah, so I created a toolkit that reporters can use to improve reporting on this issue. A lot of the reporting treats these as isolated incidents. And so this toolkit was hoping to really highlight the frequency of the issue, how to change word choice, um, and really just make it so that people uh, in our community understand that it is an epidemic and not just one-off incidents and accidents. Do you think the way the media has covered this issue has been part of the problem? I do. I, I don't think that it is, it's everything, right? It's a, it's a really big problem. But if we just think about these as individual accidents and not as an actual public health crisis, then we're not going to be able to invest the resources we need into making it better. And if the media continues to report these as incidents and accidents and not as a larger crisis, we're not going to be able to build that public will to make these changes. So tell me a specific thing um, that the media in general is doing wrong and a specific way you'd want to see them change. Yeah, so... There's some really, really great research out there. Um, Some researchers have gone and done the work and seen how uh, the way that we, our word choice impacts the way people read the articles and see blame for the victims. Mm. So there are a couple things that can be done. Uh, One is just making sure the context is there. So not just saying this is a one-off incident, but like really putting it and setting it in context. Um, And then more specifically, just changing word choice. So something as simple as saying, Uh, A person driving a pickup truck hit a pedestrian instead of a pickup truck hit a pedestrian. It really puts it into a human perspective. To sort of understand who has the power here. The, The pickup truck is not driving itself. Absolutely. 
So, Tiffany, this is something that I'm sure you deal with all the time because you're talking to these families that are affected by this. Um, and I'm sure in some cases this is something where they want to see more coverage of this or their families are being covered in ways, these deaths are being covered in ways that, that seem wrong to them. You've told us that it has seemed lately almost impossible to be heard on this topic. Do you think the media just isn't even interested in these stories? I think we're dealing with equally competing priorities. And just as uh, Zandi mentioned, we're dealing with um, this story as a byline, as an unfortunate accident, as opposed as as opposed to a tragedy that these families are dealing with. They become a byline, and then the story is over. But a lot of these families are, are dealing with, for example, Dave Gurley, who was in a coma, or Ronisha Calvin, who had to carry her baby to term, even though she was already gone. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're dealing with the stories beyond the story, or, she, or, or um, Shaquille Lewis, whose son was killed while he was in her arms because she was hit by a hit-and-run driver, and she's par- paralyzed on one side. But they don't, those are the stories that aren't reported. But these are the story. but it becomes just an accident, and we move on. And I think that if the media did more in speaking to this topic, just as was previously discussed as a crisis mm-hmm. and not just an unfortunate accident, I think that we will see the needle move. But it does become frustrating because these are human beings, human feelings, human tragedies. Tiffany, I find myself wondering, you know, in that recent piece that I referred to on Streets Blog USA, I believe mm-hmm. it came out yesterday, mm-hmm. um, Kia Wilson writes that seven out of 10 of the recent fatalities that we're talking about here happened in North City that these are victims who maybe aren't affluent white people. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's maybe a factor in the lack of attention paid to this issue? It's an extreme factor. I can speak to several stories that um, when you're dealing with pedestrian safety in underserved neighborhoods comparable to pedestrian safety in affluent neighborhoods, there is a difference in how it's reported, what is reported, and the specifics of what's being reported. Sometimes um, if it's a little black girl, a little black boy that, are, that is being reported, it's just reported as such as opposed to someone in an affluent neighborhood that's being reported. The specifics of that hit and run is being reported and highly reported. Hmm. And this, this issue started to, to gain notice, um, as I've noticed, is the St. Louis University, um, unfortunately, the professor that was killed on Gravoy. But look how many hit and run deaths that have taken place on North Grand and South Grand, the main arteries of our city, that's being underreported. Yeah, I mean, Tiffany, you make a good point here. I think it was a teacher at St. Louis University High um, who was killed on Gravoy, and there was a lot of attention paid to this. Obviously, Correct. when a teacher dies, they're, they're loved, and, and that may be part of this. But this was a person who teaches at an expensive prep school. It happened on the south side of town. These things are happening a lot on the north side of town, and we're seeing maybe a, a two-inch story. Sorry to use newspaper lingo. We're seeing just a very brief story of one or two paragraphs instead. It sounds like that's something that, that you see every day. Absolutely. So, Zandi, you're trying to change how the media thinks about this. I understand in this uh, media toolkit you put together, you include data from the Fatality Analysis Reporting System. This gets into where most of the deaths of people walking and cycling occur and also in what sorts of conditions. What did you learn about that? Yeah, so uh, what I found is that most of these uh, crashes happen at night, uh, so it's dark outside. There could be lights, there could be not lights, um, but they 
happen at night. They happen outside of intersections uh, mostly, and they often happen on really fast arterials. And so these are big roads that people, they're not highways, people have to cross them to get around in their lives, but they're not designed for pedestrians. It's interesting, and you say they happen outside of intersections. We hear from people every time we cover mm-hmm. this issue who try to say, this is the problem of the person who was hit. They need to, to just stay off the road, and this would have never happened. Zandi, I'd love to hear you address that. Yeah, I. this is a really personal uh, topic for me. I don't have a car, and so I get around by bike and by transit. And multiple times in my life, I have co- like been dropped off by a bus at an intersection, and there's no safe place for me to get across the street. Uh, it could be that the next intersection is a half a mile down the road. Um, there are no marked crosswalks. Um, and in St. Louis, a crosswalk is anywhere where there's sidewalks on both sides of a road. But if there's not a marked crosswalk, people don't realize that that is actually uh, a legal place for pedestrians to cross. Yeah, I feel like um, journalists even, get that wrong a lot. Like we basically are implying any, anytime somebody's not at a marked crosswalk, that they're not at a crosswalk. But that's not what Missouri law says, Andy. That's right? Correct. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, that's a, a critical difference there. Is that something that you've seen in some of the media coverage you've looked at where people just aren't getting that context in there? Yeah, I mean, I think one one really easy thing that reporters can do uh, when they see one of these reports come in is using Google Maps to just investigate what that uh, space looks like. Um, and you can really easily see if there is a crosswalk there, if it's marked or not, um, and where the incident happened. We heard from Hugh on Twitter. He writes, most of these are preventable crashes, not accidents. Words matter. Can your guests comment on the poor infrastructure, especially in certain neighborhoods? Tiffany, I think that that sort of speaks to what Zandi was just saying there, but that's something you've seen as well. Absolutely. Um, I see, see it quite a bit. And we have to always remember that quite a bit of our urban neighborhoods, that the kids that grew up in those neighborhoods, the street became their um, backyards mm-hmm. because of the areas of which they live in. And then certain areas um, in those areas, there aren't um, either faded crosswalks, or broken signals, um, areas of which, you know, they, it's, they cross where they can, you know, because some areas just simply aren't illuminated. Uh, sidewalks that are, aren't bro- that are, you know, not repaired properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we it, so many. Uh, yes, you're absolutely correct. We can speak to several areas, uh, specifically in the low to no income area, that um, we can address infrastructure and signal issues. So we heard from so many people um, on this issue. It feels like anytime we bring this mm-hmm. up, people have so many thoughts and, and frankly, so many anecdotes. Uh, Nick in Oakville, Missouri, Oakville, Missouri, uh, wrote in and shared that he's blind. He he writes, driver's ed is gone, public transit is under attack, and Oakville has zero crosswalks. So what's the problem? Sounds like America. He added that he's been struck by vehicles five times over the past 20 years. Deborah writes, leaving a cards game in September, my son and I were almost hit in a crosswalk. By the way, I'm in a wheelchair. The guy screamed vulgarities as us as he read, ran a red light. It was frightening. Now, I will say the city is doing some things about some of this. Um, and we heard from some people who mentioned 
this. Richard writes on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page with observations from a recent trip to Portland, Oregon. Richard writes, I was both driving and bicycling. I realized how difficult it was for drivers in Portland to go fast due to design elements like narrow streets and speed humps. It was a pain to be a driver. I can't imagine a pedestrian being hit in Portland, although it probably happens. And I will say that in the past, it seemed that so many pedestrian fatalities in St. Louis were on Natural Bridge Avenue. And the effort that the city's engineers have taken to cut down Natural Bridge's driving lanes and slow the car drivers must be commended. As a bicyclist, I feel much safer on the road. I hope the city continues to find ways to limit the speeds of cars. Sarah also writes on Twitter, I like that lane reduction model, such as the Hampton Corridor, Morgan Ford, and Arsenal areas in Tower Grove South. Tiffany, it seems like the city is trying to take some of these super fast roads and trying to deal with ways to slow them down. Does that feel like a step in the right direction? It is a step in the right direction, but it's unbalanced because some of those areas, there's still those pedestrians are, are crossing in the wrong areas. Um, there's lack of directional signage. There is areas in which there are more accidents because cars are still speeding through their areas. They're not slowing down. And now you're dealing with, um, you know, uh, car repairs, car accidents. Um, yeah, there's still some some challenges that we have there that are um, that are not beneficial to the pedestrians, but we are moving in the right direction, but we still have more work to do. So Zonda, you graduated from WashU with your master's this spring, and now you're working for the Vacancy Collaborative and the Green City Coalition. Do you see the work you're doing there, uh, which has to do more with things like design issues and ensuring up our urban environment? Do you see that fitting in with this issue of people being killed while they're out walking? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're all related. They're all related to how we engage with the city, with St. Louis. Um, Thinking about vacancy as uh, an issue, if we don't have neighborhoods with uh, robust communities where people can walk down to the corner store or to a grocery store really easily, you're going to have people having to go out into areas that are not built for pedestrians. Um, And so as we continue to think about how we're going to make St. Louis a vibrant city moving forward, we need to be working both on our road design and making sure that's safe, and then making sure that our neighborhoods um, have vibrant communities and uh, residents and businesses. So, Tiffany, one of the things you're doing, you're continuing to raise awareness on this with your organization, Fighting Hard. You're also working on a film on this topic. What's the idea with that? I am. Thank you so much for asking about that. The idea is my last-ditch effort to uh, make this topic more relatable. The film is centered around everyday uh, activities of individuals, but these are real-life hit-and-run driver, survivors, and families of victims. And these individuals will be telling their stories from how they day, their day got started. Mm-hmm. The hustle and bustle of getting your kids ready for school or, or grabbing a cup of coffee. Uh, so the, the idea is to bring this topic into the home for someone like ourselves on this call who's not directly related to the to the topic. Why would you care? Well, because, you know, you can watch this movie or these episodes and say, hey, you know what? That could be me. So my goal is to not only bring these stories to light, 
but to also help educate on the topic, but also speak to more uh, more of a uh, redeeming and forgiving aspect of it, because we actually have a we've identified a driver who's telling their story. Mm. We're telling the story of a driver. We're telling the story of a victim. We're telling the story of a prosecuting attorney that gives us information on why it's difficult to prosecute prosecute these cases. And we're also telling the story of a of a police officer that shows up on the scene of a hit and run. So I'm hoping that I can pull all of these pieces together and, and we can start really creating the buzz, make it more visceral, more relatable. That's what the film is all about. Tiffany, this film sounds so powerful. And I understand you already have a place lined up that's, that's uh, going to broadcast it. What are the yes. plans for that? So um, partnered with um, Brian Owens, some of you are familiar with, um, has been really a huge advocate in what we're doing um, and PBS has decided to, to assist in putting this um, film or episodes is what I like to call it because you know it's a little bit of a short um, on their channel. Yeah. So any sense of when that'll be coming up? Well Brian and I still have a few more pieces that we want to film but coming soon. That's great. Well, I hope you'll keep us posted on that. Oh, absolutely. We will definitely give people a reminder about mm-hmm. Tiffany's work on this once we get a little closer so people can tune in for broadcast. The title is called The Unheard Voice Victims' Voices. The Unheard Victims' Voices. Okay. Well, we're going to stay on top of that. Tiffany, that sounds like some great work on that. Mm-hmm. We also heard from um, listeners who just had a number of reminders they wanted to, to encourage their fellow drivers to be careful today. Got a really good comment from Odie who writes, challenge car centrism and supremacy when you see it and hear it. People were on the street first and we belong here. It's not funny to talk about hitting pedestrians for points. It's not cool to expect every pedestrian to run when crossing in front of your car so you don't have to wait as long. It's not okay to text and drive. It's unsafe to go as fast as you can. Most of the pedestrians who die are poor. Many of them are unhoused. Most of them are black and brown folks. If you think black lives matter, drive like it. Mm -hmm. And Odie adds, the best way to become a good motorist is to walk, bike, and bus commutes as often as you drive. Once you know what it's like to be on the outside of the car, your behavior will change without even thinking about it. A lot of good suggestions there. And there's also, we also want to encourage people to check out the work that Zondi did um, for the St. Louis City Community Mobility Committee. They do such good work there. And we have that media toolkit that we discussed linked on our website, stlonair.show. You can download this for free. Recommend that people check this out and look at what Zondi has done on this. And there's also some other traffic violence-related resources there as well. So this conversation is going to continue. I actually do want to mention, if you're interested in this topic, we're going to have more on this on Monday. Uh, Charles Marone is going to join us to discuss his book. It's called Confessions of a Recovering Traffic Engineer. He's the founder of Strong Towns, which does great work on this issue. And so if you're interested in better roads and in more safety, this is a book that you'll want to hear more about. So we encourage you to tune in on Monday. He'll be on right at noon. That's Charles Marone Jr., Confessions of a Recovering Traffic Engineer. And I want to thank our two guests for sharing their perspective today. Uh, Zondi Barrett, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And Zondi works for the Vacancy Collaborative and the Green City Coalition. And also Tiffany Stanfield, thank you so much. No, thank you. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill with audio engineering by Aaron Dore and production assistance from Jane Mather-Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.
Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.